Welcome to the Aaron Church Podcast, where our mission is bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Each podcast episode features the latest talk from our church, which are released weekly. We're passionate about Jesus, love to worship together, and are committed to changing our community for the better. Connect with us at aaronchurch.com. I just wanted to tell you a story. Uh, This story is set in the 16th century, and it is up in Lincolnshire, and it starts in this house here. And uh, what happened was there was a young couple, and they were expecting a baby. And tragically, the husband died three months before the baby was born. It was very, very sad. And then the baby was actually premature, Uh, when he was born, and um, they didn't think that he was going to last long. They didn't even think that he would last the day. He was so small that they said that they could put him in a milk jug. And uh, in those days, in the 16th century, it was an amazing thing if you lived when you were premature. But this little boy, he did live. And uh, he went on, and when he was three years old, his uh, a priest came to the uh, a priest came to the village, and this priest was seventy years old. And the priest said that he would like to marry the mum, but tragically and terribly, he said, "If you marry me, I don't want your little boy." And uh, the the lady actually did opt to marry the seventy-year-old priest. It would give her financial security. And for whatever reason, she, uh, she left her little three-year-old son with, her, with his grandmother. And so this little boy was brought up by his grandma and he went to school and he was mad. He was crying. He was hurt. He was cross. He had been rejected by his mum and he was struggling with life. And Uh, He went to school and in school his reports came back as a lazy boy, uh, good for nothing. Uh, He was a troublemaker. He uh, just had everything against him until one day, one day a teacher came. His name was John Houghton. And he came and he saw something in this little boy. And he saw something amazing in this little boy. He saw something that maybe nobody else had seen. And he thought... I think there's something in you that's absolutely incredible. I think there's something in you that's genius. And so he started to pour his life into this little lad. He started to teach him. He taught him loads of different things and he started to champion him and he started to encourage him and he started to get back behind him and he started to sacrifice for him. And he said, I'm gonna champion this little boy. And this little boy, he started to thrive and he started to grow and he started to learn and he started to uh, enjoy what he was doing and his life very slowly started to change. In fact, he was such a bright and intelligent little boy by the end of it that he was sent to Cambridge University, one of the best universities he could have ever been sent to. And he learnt there and he became the most amazing mathematician. He was incredible in his intellect and the way that he learnt. And he, he created the law of gravity gravity. That little boy was Isaac Newton. 
the famous scientist that everybody must know for uh, all of the amazing intellectual things that he did. On his gravestone, he was buried at Westminster Chapel, and on his gravestone it says this, Here is buried Isaac Newton, by, who by a strength of mind almost divine, and at the end it says... Uh, there has never existed such a great an ornament of the human race. What made Isaac Newton, this little boy, go from this angry, hurt little boy who was called lazy and good for nothing? What made the difference that to them become the ornament of the human race? What was it that changed? It was one man called John Alton that stood in that gap, that stood in that place, that championed the next generation that saw something in him and thought, I am going to sacrifice my life. I'm going to make sure that that little boy thrives and grows. And that is what happened. Uh, I mean, I think in all of life, the most amazing calling we will ever have, all of us, every one of us in this room is to be a spiritual parent to the next generation. That is the most, more important than anything else probably that we'll ever do, to champion somebody else, to give our lives, to say, to pray and do that for somebody else is probably the most important thing that we will ever do. And of course, it talks about it all the way through the Bible. It talks about the generations. In Exodus 3, it says this, God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. In Psalm 78, it says, we will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. All the way through the Bible, we have God talking to the generations, Isaac, the generation of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. He doesn't just label one. He, he talks about the whole of it, the whole of the generations. He is passionate for generations. And then when I look at all of the stories in the Bible, I just feel so inspired. Look at, um, there's, there's Moses, right? Moses is invited in Exodus 33 into the presence of God. He is invited to just be with God and he accepts that invitation. And he could have so easily gone all by himself, all by himself into the presence of God and experienced the glory of God all by himself, but he didn't choose to do that. He said, Joshua, you're coming with me. And he taught Joshua about how to be in the presence of God. And he introduced him to the glory of God because Joshua was going to lead the next generation. And Moses needed to help him. He needed to get alongside him. He needed to say, the presence of God is like this, Joshua. And he found that happening with him. And then, of course, we've got Samuel and Eli. Okay, 
Eli is a priest in the Old Testament. And Samuel was a little boy that went to live in the temple. And he was living in the temple. Uh, Eli's the priest. And Samuel starts to hear in his dreams. He hears a voice and it says, Samuel, Samuel. And he doesn't understand. What's that all about? So he goes to Eli, the older man, the older generation. And he says to Eli, there's somebody calling my name. And Samuel says, and, and Eli says, it's God. God's calling your name. Listen to God. He teaches him. He teaches the younger generation about hearing the voice of God, about hearing what God is calling him to do. It makes an amazing impact on Samuel's life. And then we have Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha in the Bible, Elijah in the Bible was an amazing prophet, absolutely full of the Holy Spirit of God and seeing miracles here, there and everywhere. And along comes Elisha, this young man, and he says, I want some of what you've got, Elijah. And Elijah says, okay, well, you can if you are around when I die, uh, then you can have a double portion. He is persistent, Elijah, in following Elijah around. And he's wanting what Elijah has got. And Elijah says, you can have it. I'm going to give you a double portion. And in fact, that's exactly what happens. And in the Bible, we see that uh, Elijah, the older man, he, uh, did, he saw eight miracles and Elisha 16. That's what happened when it was passed down to the next generation. So what, what, when I think about this, I think, what do I want to see happen for the next generation? What do we want to see happen for the next generation? And by that, I mean, if you're 20, and, and above, we should be looking behind to see who we can be championing. If we're 20 and above, we should be thinking, who can we encourage? Who can we get behind? And uh, that's, what, uh, that's what I want to be doing in my life. This is what I want for the next generation. Four things, I'll be quick. But the first thing is, I want the next generation to grow up in an atmosphere of faith. Complete, absolute faith. I'm not talking about unreality. I don't want that. I want us to be a real church that talks in reality. But I want our younger generation to be surrounded by faith, to be surrounded by people that say, come on, God is bigger. God is greater. We can see this happen. I don't want our generation to be surrounded by cynicalness and by... Uh, by uh, anything that is not good for them. I want them to be surrounded by faith and people that say, God is going to do an amazing thing in this town. And so that's what I want for this generation, that you are surrounded by faith. The second thing, and the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to be running through your veins, that you know the Holy Spirit in everything that you do, uh, that you are guided and, and invite the Holy Spirit into your life and know the impact and power that that he brings you. Second thing I want is I want you to know that I will contend for you in prayer. I will contend for you on my knees as I do and I have done. I will contend for you. There are some things that are worth fighting for, aren't there? Don't you think? And um, the next generation, in fact, the whole church, I'm, I want to fight for this church. And I don't mean by that that you know, I'm going to be aggressive or anything. I mean by that, that I want to fight on my knees with love and I want to fight with when I worship. You know, I've learned that every space is contended for in our lives. Me, I, my head is a space that I have to contend for. I can't just think whatever I think and like whatever I like. I need to say, do you know what? This 
the, the body that I'm in is the Holy Spirit temple, right? And so if fear comes in, sneaks in maybe through the back door, round the side, if resentment creeps in, then do you know what I'm going to say? Get out. I don't want that. I'm contending for, my, for me. I'm contending. I'm, I don't have to live with, with the things that um, can, can you know, attack you or, or make you think different things. We can contend for those things. And the same way I want to contend for this generation and fight and say, we, we're, we're not going to just sit still and think, oh dear, never mind, that happened. We're going to say, no, we're going to get on our knees and we're going to fight for the next generation on our knees in our prayer times. Um, so that's the next thing. The, lo- the next thing, I would love this generation to know your identity, firmly rooted in Jesus. Everything about you that you do not live for the significance of other people and other systems and other worldviews, but you live for the significance of Jesus in your life. And I pray that you have your identity identity rooted firmly in Jesus. Last of all, I pray for the next generation that you will know the faithfulness of God. Because I'll tell you, He has been so faithful to me, so faithful to us as a church, so faithful to us. It doesn't mean that things are good always. In fact, far from it. There are some really tough, terrible things that happen in our lives. And Jesus is faithful in those times. And I know His faithfulness all of my life. I know His faithfulness and I pray that. I pray that the next generation will be sitting here speaking about the faithfulness of God all of their lives. And that's what I pray. So uh, we're going to pray for the next generation. We're going to be getting behind and praying for them. But I just want to remind us of this most beautiful story of Mary and Elizabeth. Mary was just a very, very young girl, wasn't she? When, when the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby and that baby's going to save the world. She would have been probably about 13, so young. She would have faced the whole world against her at that point. You know, everybody, who would have believed her? I don't think I would have believed her, let alone anybody. Who would have believed Mary? No one. She would have been outcast. And do you know where she ran? She ran to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who was older in years and had never had a baby, but was pregnant at that time. And Elizabeth welcomed her and welcomed her into her house and into her life. And she said, uh, I'll champion you, Mary. And I think that's, that relationship was an amazing thing that happened to that young girl, just like with Isaac Newton having a teacher like he did. What an amazing thing.